0: This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, continuing my series of podcasts with candidates for the Fisher City Council. With me today is Selena Stoller, an incumbent Republican and a candidate for re-election for the Fisher City Council in the Northwest District. So Selena, welcome. Good to have you back on a podcast.
1: Thank you, Larry. Thank you for the invitation today and looking forward to having a great conversation here.
0: Well, good. And uh, Mike Fossold is a retired teacher at Fisher's Junior High School. He had been accompanying me on some of the early podcasts. He has some family responsibilities, so he's not able to join us today, but he asks such good questions. I will incorporate a few of those today. So uh, Selena is a 14-year resident of Fisher's, a self-employed consultant she provides services in the area of distressed assets. That's, what you, that's the way you describe it on your website, planned and managed private equity funds. So that's, uh, you are definitely into the financial industry.
1: Absolutely. I work um, a lot in the capital markets, uh, mainly in the area of what we call securitizations, um, and what does that mean? I know, I know what it means, <laughs>
0: but tell everybody else what it means.
1: So what I deal with is, um, let's say you have a car loan, and those car loans get put into what we call great big portfolios or pools of car loans. Um, I don't necessarily deal with car loans. I deal with consumer debt, though. So it does include that sum. And then we take those portfolios. We analyze them, we sell them, we trade them. And um, working with the securitizations does lend a little bit of insight into the bonds. So um, there are a lot of similarities there. So definitely understand the capital
0: markets. You're basically bundling them up together, selling them as securities. And and that's more or less what you're doing, which I think people can understand that. Uh, Selena, you have served on the Fisher City Council. If I tell me if I'm wrong on this, I believe since Fishers became a city in 2015, and so with that in mind, you've been on the council for a while. I, again, as long as Fishers has been a city, why did you decide to go for another four-year term?
1: You know, Larry, um, I've been out knocking on a lot of doors, and I come in in the evenings, and my feet hurt, and my feet would say what are you doing? This is insane. <laughs> I
0: can understand that. <laughs> but that's that. my feet. <laughs> yeah, your feet are speaking. The rest of you has a different idea.
1: Yeah, so the rest of me does have a different idea, but there is that element that does go through the mind at times. You know, for me, a lot of it is is seeing the projects through. There are some projects that are very important to the residents of the Northwest District, and one of them is Kroger, getting Kroger to move across the street, The roundabout at 116th and Allisonville, 141st and 37. Um, You know, the trails, and there's so many sidewalk and road improvements that are happening within the Northwest District right now. I want to see some of these through. I I love connecting with the neighbors and hearing about their issues and hearing about what they love about Fishers. It's, it's very humbling at times to be able to serve and just to listen to their so, comments.
0: So going door to door, obviously, you've learned a thing or two. You've done this more than once since you've been on the council for a while. Have you found a shift or a difference in what people are telling you as you knock on doors compared to previous elections?
1: You know, I think one thing that has remained the same um, throughout Fishers is residents, they seem to be happy. They love that Fishers is one of the safest cities, and that is something that is very important to me, and that's remained very consistent. The parks, the trails, they want that quality of life. Some of the issues that I've been running into is sidewalks and neighborhoods, and we have an investment that is going to address that. Um, and I hate to say this, but it's it's real, um, the trash issue. <laughs> You know, and I hate to talk trash, but, you know, let's talk trash. You're I was just going wrong. to say,
0: that's one of my questions. So let's just get right into it now, because so, uh, your colleague, David Giffel, has proposed a citywide contract for trash collection to save homeowners money on trash fees. The mayor has promised a work session on the process. Uh, I had a front row seat to the town endeavoring in this in 2013. They abandoned it because people... Didn't want it generally. Things have changed today. So where do you stand on it?
1: So I was out walking, knocking on doors in the spring and trash came up. So we'll just say I called the administration. Why is this only your district? We, this didn't go through years ago. and I'm just like, I don't think it's just my district, but we'll see. So I started sharing this with people within my district. And I said, listen, you need to tell your friends, you need to tell your neighbors, they need to be reaching out to other counselors. Put it out on Facebook, put it on next door. If it's a real issue, it'll pick up. Well, next thing I know, uh, Counselor Newman, Counselor Giffel, Counselor (laughs) Weichert are getting calls about trash. (laughs) And things are blowing up on Facebook and next door about it. And I said, okay, It's really not just my district.
0: Well, the thing is, and this is what Mr. Giffle did when he publicly made Mm the— I mean, he was the first person to publicly bring it up at a council meeting. And and, and I've heard this from other people. It's not so much that it—and it is so much that it costs a lot. It's (coughs) that you may have one fee— and the person down the street may have an entirely different free, higher higher or lower, and you may be contracting with the same company. Different HOAs have different contracts with these uh, companies. So how do you see a, a possible – I mean, there are, I should, how should I put this? There, I should, there could be a city rule because cities like Carmel, for instance, have these these contracts in place. So you obviously are willing to at least investigate the possibility of having – a citywide contract with one provider just, just to save money for people?
1: I would like to see a contract come forward, but I want to see what that contract looks like. But I want that contract to include yard waste and leaf pickup. One of the big things I've heard is people are saying, my trash company won't pick up my leaves this year. What do I do with them? You know, they have mulch them, back, you know, they're trying to figure that out. And I know that's a struggle for residents right now. So <clears throat> when I see that contract, I'd like to see it come forward. I want to see it trash, recycling, yard waste. How do we manage all of these waste products coming out? And then what does that look for, like for the resident? Is it do we respect the HOA that already has their contract in place? Do we require everybody to opt into it? You know, I would like to see residents to be able to have some options, but in order to provide a contract to the trash company, we are going to have to have a certain level of participation.
0: So uh, some HOAs have uh, recycling as part of the contract. Some don't. Do you think a city contract should include that?
1: I do. I think that we should have, you know, the option for recycling there.
0: You head up a fairly new committee for the council. It's the Rules Committee. And -hmm. you just recently made – I think you quickly mentioned a report at the last council meeting. Uh, that, That committee has taken on the task of determining how the council should make appointments to boards and commissions. Let me ask you this. Is the city making strides in coming up with a way to evaluate people stepping forward, saying they'd like to serve on these boards and commissions?
1: What is happening is with the process that we just went through, it was a meeting to understand the processes that the city has in place. What are their processes and procedures? And how can we improve those? And a lot of that improvement has to go through the, you know, it has to be fed back. It's through communication and feedback and how long do we keep applications. You know, at one point I was getting a list of people that had applied three to four years ago. It's like, you know, I think we need to do something here So they came up with, hey, we're going to keep an application on file for two years, and we're informing people that it's on file for two years. So part of this has been getting a process and procedure, getting the notification out of the openings that is on the boards and commissions. When it comes to getting people to apply, I think that goes back to the social media. But what I know is that when I'm out talking to um, different groups – Um, people from different cultures, people from different demographics that are within. within our community, I am encouraging them to step forward and to be a part of the committees. Some of them have actually applied, which I'm very grateful for. Then what happens is, you know, is it a match? I think we have to look as it is a match. And I always use the example, you know, we have the police merit board. Um, I'm not qualified. I don't know anybody. I, you know, I don't, I don't relate to that field. I'm not in that field. I don't have a family member in that field. I don't, I'm not a vendor to that field. Um, it's probably not a good match to me. I think that having that someone that is a little bit closer to that would be a better match for that. So I think part of it is is finding someone that has a passion, knowledge, intelligence that will benefit that board and commission. Putting someone on an arts council who has no interest in art is not going to be beneficial to that community to that committee. So I want to make sure that when we do it that it makes sense and it's something that that person is going to attend those meetings and has a passion for and is going to contribute to and feels comfortable in being a part of that committee.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is that you are looking to to get a better system in place or is there a good one in place now?
1: I think there is a very good one in place that has been put in place and you know I think part of it was was getting that documented is what we have done.
0: Very good you sort of alluded to this when you talked about the trash issue because when you heard from your constituents, you had to encourage others to talk to other council members. It sort of leads me to this question because uh, you are part of a legislative body. You're one of nine members of the city council. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, I'm sure that you have to, number one, deal with the other mm-hmm. Secondly. You also need to sift through all the comments you receive. I'm sure your inbox is full all the time with, with comments. You're getting messages from a variety of different other places. So talk about what it's like to to, to live and work in, in a legislative body with the other elected officials there. in the mayor's office also has a, an impact on that as well. Plus how you sort through your constituent comments and tweet. how do you sift those together and try to come up with the – a stance on on a particular issue.
1: So how do I evaluate and filter? Um, first of all, each email, text, call that I get from a resident is important to me. It's an important matter to them. They took time out of their day to reach out to me. It is important. Then I look at the effect on the community. How... Is this something that affects just that one person? Does it affect a neighborhood? Does it affect the entire community? I look at the cost. Um, is it sustainable? Maybe it is something that um, an ordinance that they want pushed through. I have to ask myself, is it enforceable? What, what's the point in bringing forth an ordinance or something to change and to make a statement but it can never be enforced. Um, so there's an evaluation process that you have to go through. I, I call it my cost-benefit evaluation. That's what I do on a daily basis um, in my job. So what is that cost-benefit analysis to the community? But let's say somebody, you know, there is, um, there is a project that's going on within the city And some neighbors came to me with some concerns about it. And they said, well, you know, they asked me, where am I on this? And I I told them where it was. And they said, well, can you help us get the rest of the council there? And I said, you know, it's going to be better coming from you. If they hear your passion, they hear your problem, and I encourage them to reach out to the counselors I tell them hey if you have any problem reaching one of the counselors or you know you want me to talk to a counselor with you definitely willing to have those conversations so I try to pull the other counselors in so that way they can help evaluate it as well
0: moving to another issue Uh Fishers has been a pretty, pretty aggressive in terms of, of developing the city. And I'm just talking about city projects here, not even the economic development side of it. We have a new event center that is now under construction, just a, a block from where we are at the Hamilton East Library here. There's a new City Hall and Arts Center under construction. should be finished by the spring of next year. Uh, there's a new community center that will soon be under construction. And on top of all that, the Fishers has purchased the local sewer utility, which was no small purchase. Yeah. So when you do all those things, it will have an impact on on some of the debt ratings. And the city, since 2016, has had a AAA S&P debt rating on the property tax-backed bond, the GO bonds, or general obligation bonds, as they're called. It's gone down to, to AA+, which is the next notch down, and the uh, analysts at S and P said it was basically th- there were some other issues, but the the amount of debt that the city has taken on was it was a major part of that. Now you deal in the financial industry, you know about muni's. You've already talked about that. That's what these are muni's, m- municipal bonds. So how do you uh, evaluate that development? So so
1: let's talk about this. The debt has rose. It's- it's probably rose by 1.75%. I don't know what the exact percentage is. So I've, over the years it has, for the exact reasons that you just listed. Um, I want to equate this to buying a home. So proud my son is getting ready to buy a home. And, um, you know, it's going to cost him a few hundred thousand. He has very little debt right now because he just has a car loan. So his debt is going to increase significantly. When your debt increases, your credit rating is going to go down, at least until the credit ratings know until how you will handle that additional debt. Um, I had to crack up laughing at myself last week. I went to one of my credit cards, charged a bunch of travel for work and usually when I do, I I go in and I'll pay it off within a day or two because I just use a credit card to get the points, pay it off within a couple days, I'm good. Got busy, didn't pay it off till the statement came this time. And you know, it was this is five, six thousand. They're not used to seeing me put that much on and leave it till the statement. My credit score fell six points. I'm like, what the heck? I was like, oh, my gosh. But I want to indicate this is part of the times we're in. The capital markets are more concerned about the stress the consumer is experiencing from inflation. The bond markets are stressed about the U.S. bond rating being downgraded. And this is going to affect what we call muni bonds. So I think we have that in effect. We also have a fact that we did take on extra debt, and we do have, you know, property-backed taxes that are backing those bonds. We have additional income, you know, the food and beverage tax, which is not taken into consideration when they're rating those bonds. So there are different incomes that are taken into consideration when these bonds are rated. So I think there's several things going on. Some we had control over the amount of debt we took on. Some we did not. The downgrading of the US debt. Um, But what it really comes down to is the debt to income ratio. I feel that the administration has a very conservative approach to their debt management and to managing the debt services. And I'm on board with the way it's been done, I think we have a better quality of life for our citizens and fishers.
0: Yeah, And I, I think if there's any impact that would have, it would be just on the interest rate that the city has to pay whenever they're... Know, trying to acquire new, new, new uh, bonds or to, uh, new debt that they have to acquire, there would be some increase in the interest rate. But what You tell me what I'm hearing is that there will be some impact from that downgrade from AAA to AA+, but it will not be significant. What's your view?
1: So if your credit score drops from 800 to 750, you might get a little bump in increase um, in interest rates, and I do expect that but I also expect the bonds are probably going to be easier to sell for my friends that work in the bond markets. They want those higher interest rates, so I think they're going to be a little bit easier to move. Um, you know, but you know, if, if your credit score went from 800 down to 700, you're going to have a significant increase in interest rates. I don't expect that, but keep in mind the interest rates are rising. Are we going to get the interest rates that we had two years ago? No, we're not. I mean, that's just the
0: environment we're in. Because that's beyond the city's control, obviously, but it's the environment um, financially. I want to go to something that I saw on your campaign website. You discuss what you call your vision for the future, and you say we, quote, must come together as a community and discuss the bigger issues. I'll close the quote there. So with that in mind, how would you propose having that discussion of bigger issues? How would you go about doing that?
1: You know, I think that, let let me start out this. I think society has become very divisive today. Um, I think social media has fed into that divisiveness. Um, And a lot of people try to get out on social media and they get secret accounts that they don't identify themselves and they start attacking. Attacks whether it's on social media, whether it's in person, do not benefit anyone. Sitting down, having a calm, collaborative conversation that everyone can voice their opinion and their opinion is respected, and I will seek to understand everyone's opinion. And I'm gonna go back to when I'm negotiating deals in the business world, and this is kind of what it comes down to a lot of times we can't come to an agreement. What we can come to is an agreement that nobody likes, and everybody dislikes it equally. When we have an agreement that everybody dislikes equally, I consider it a win, because sometimes you can't get it to an agreement that everybody is 100% happy with. So you have to come to an agreement that is disliked equally and is a compromise in the middle.
0: So you feel the council and and your role on the council that you have been able to reach? I mean, what you're saying is not everybody gets what they want, but they get something and you may not like the final product, but you at least had some participation in it. Do you feel the council has been able to do that with most major issues?
1: Um, You know, I can't say that we have on some. I think we have, you know, the HSE school referendum. I mean, we all came together. That was a very bipartisan effort. Um, Everyone approved the stadium. Everyone approved the buying of uh, the sewer. So I think there are major issues, which we have been able to put politics aside and work to come together for the benefit of the community. And I think that that collaboration has greatly benefited our
0: community. Hey, you know, when I first came to Fishers, uh, Republicans were, were in all offices. Now you have two Democrats on the council, yet I think you're correct. On mo- There have been some disagreements on some things, but I would say well, a lot of the big issues have been bipartisan, and, and a great example is that joint meeting you had with the, the school board, which I think was unprecedented. It never happened where well, both of you had an official meeting to take a vote at the same time where there was a unanimous vote and the mayor also supported it to, to uh, back the uh, school referendum. So uh, that was certainly, a, I think, one of the one of the highlights of that. But there have been other issues in the event center. Yeah, there were some issues about the financing of it, but the, the the idea of having the event center certainly was bipartisan. Correct. You mentioned traffic. On your website and boy, about every candidate has had something to say about that because the people oh, I are always tell you,
1: people if you know somebody that you can call about the traffic and Fishers, please let me know. I want their phone number.
0: <laughs> I think they have yours <laughs> and the mayor's. But uh I'm obviously you hear a lot about that. Every yes, candidate, every sitting council member has told me they hear about this all the time. So I guess I would just make you talk about your district in particular, the city in general, however you want to talk about this, because you've got some major Issues as you mentioned, there's a roundabout going in at One Hundred Sixteenth Street in Allisonville. There's a roundabout going on at Ninety Sixth Street. Is outside yours? I'm sorry, One Hundred Sixteenth Street is in your district uh, for that roundabout, which is going to be uh, something we haven't seen a lot of. Very busy intersection that will be going to a roundabout, uh, in, and that will be under construction in not too distant future. I went to a meeting on the design for that, and that's. Uh, it's going to be something else. So I guess that, that those are just, that's just one example of many. And you've already talked about some. 141st and 37 is in your district, for example. So tell me your view on traffic. Uh, traffic uh, for a growing city, and even though we have kind of plateaued a little bit, we are still growing at this point. Um, how do you see traffic and how the city is able to handle the traffic that we have seen? This increase we've certainly seen in the last few years.
1: You know, traffic is, you know, we are a growing community. We are going to have a lot of traffic. And one of the things I hear out on the campaign trail is traffic cut through through neighborhoods. You know, people have kids out playing, they're riding bikes, they're walking their dogs. All of this is going on within the neighborhoods. And you know, how do we get people to stop at that stop sign in the neighborhood? So many people are just blowing through stop signs. We have people, you know, when I first moved to Fishers, it was two cars through on red. Now it's five cars through on red. And, you know, but we got to look at it. It's it's a systemic problem of society. It's not just Fishers. So how are we handling it? I think that we're building the infrastructure. I think some of these uh, roundabouts that we're putting in will help out. I think 146th and Allisonville. I'm ex- very excited for that to be done.
0: Of course, that's a county project.
1: That's a county yeah. project, but it definitely affects it my district. <laughs> it certainly
0: affects fishers and your district. Yes. yes.
1: And, um, you know, but I think what we have to recognize is we have to do projects. We have to stagger them. I have had people said, "Well, why didn't you do 141st in Allisonville? Why didn't you do that this summer?" And I said, "If we would have chose to do that this summer, the Northwest District would have been in gridlock mm-hmm. because you had, you know, 146 in Allisonville and 37. It's like this would not have been a good thing. So we do have to coordinate projects. We also have 96 in Allisonville, as you mentioned. These projects have to be coordinated because they're going to divert traffic to other areas. And once you divert that to other areas, the 116th and Allisonville project, we're working closely with some of the neighborhoods in order to help make sure that there's not quite as much cut through. I know we're not going to be able to do it get it all out of their neighborhood, but we are trying to work with the neighborhoods on things that can be done to keep um, traffic from going into the neighborhoods and creating more of a safety issue for those walking their dogs and kids and bikes in their neighborhood. So working closely with engineering and the administration on that. And I think they're doing a fa- fantastic job at reaching out and listening to residents.
0: And also there, there there are these Swiss cheese areas. That's what we call them internally. What we mean by people out don't who don't Pay attention to this. Don't know those are areas within the city that are not part of the city. It's a long story as how that happened. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the days of being a town. Uh, so, and, and Mike Fossil has asked about this when he's with me. You know, some there there are safety issues. Not necessarily all. Some are in your district uh, mm-hmm. where, let's say, 126, 131st. There are places where there are not sidewalks because those plots of land or areas of land are not within the city. Those people do not pay city taxes. Well, we have a safety issue like that come up where sidewalks are needed and can't be put in. Is there a solution to that?
1: You know, well, first of all, I want to mention that when annexations come before the city council, it's completely bipartisan. These are, you know, they go through seamlessly. Anybody wants to come in the city, we're welcome to come in. So anybody listening that wants to annex into the city, please reach out to us. We will definitely greet you with open arms. So I definitely have to mention that. But I think that it's a collaboration of the trustees, of the homeowners, and of the city. And recently, we had an interlocal agreement with Delaware Township. Thank you, Debbie Driscoll, in which we will be connecting some of the paths I've driven down 131st many times with people walking at the edge of the street. And I think that creating that collaboration with the homeowners and with the trustees, that we will be able to create a connectivity for for the paths, but we cannot force people to annex into the city. And I think that making the annexation to their benefit to the benefit of those homeowners, is going to help decrease the amount of Swiss cheese that we have.
0: So that's going to take some work to do that. But it's a long it's, term. Because it hasn't happened yet, and I know that you uh, would like to see that. We're about out of time. Um, give me a minute or two to explain why voters in the Northwest District should uh, reelect you.
1: I think voters should reelect me because I listen. And I, vo- and I vote for the residents. And I want to share a couple of situations where I've listened. I'll do it real quick here. Um, out on the campaign trail, I knocked on an 89-year-old veteran's door. And he brings out this citation where his trees have grown over the sidewalk. He said, can you take care of this for me? And he said, I cut him back once, but it wasn't enough. It didn't satisfy him. Can you help me out? I said, absolutely. Don't worry about it. I brought in a campaign worker who went over and started cutting down some more of his trees. A neighbor graciously saw what was happening, came forward, cut things down. I sent somebody over with a truck and a trailer. We hauled the things off, and actually one of the places that takes yard waste heard the story and took the yard waste for free. We took four trailer loads of stuff. The gentleman will never, ever have to worry about his trees overgrowing the sidewalks again in his lifetime. I met another lady. I have a Belgian Malinois, and I was putting a sign in her neighbor's yard. Wanted to pet my dog. She looked at the dog, and she started crying. And I was very perplexed. And her son was a police officer who was killed in the line of duty. She knew what my dog was, and she knew the type of dog my dog was. And it brought back memories to her. And being able to sit down and take that time and just comfort her in her time of grief, even though it had been several years, warms my heart. These are the humbling experiences. To be able to relate, to help residents, is what I enjoy most about this position. I find it very humbling. But keeping Fishers a safe place with great infrastructure that is sustainable, economically viable, and building a community that attracts not just people, but attracts businesses, so that way we have a great place to live, work, and play, is at the top of my platform.
0: Selena Stoller is an incumbent Republican and a candidate for re-election for the Fisher City Council in the Northwest District. Selena, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you, Larry.